All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past. I'm a real boy! You want thingamabobs? I got 20. 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. We This is the Magic on a Dollar podcast with David Dollar. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. Just like the impressive man with the impressive voice just said, uh, I am David Dollar, your host, and thank you so much for joining us once again. Episode number 25. We made it 25 episodes in. Of course, we took a couple weeks off, so we've been doing this now for 27 weeks, and uh, onward we go. That's right, we got a lot of stuff to do today, a lot of stuff to talk about. Animal Kingdom celebrating its 20th anniversary. We'll get to that. We'll talk about possible theme parks coming to Universal as well, the Fast and the Furious ride opening up, some new uh, new Disney Park apps stuff. Uh, an unfortunate uh, passing of a Disney a Disney classic character, and uh, much, much more. We'll get to all that a little bit later on today. But thank you so much for joining us. You can email me, magiconadollarpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me online. Find me online at... Uh, at Dave Dollar on Twitter, and you can find me at Magic on a Dollar on uh, on Instagram, and you can find me all there. And you know, find me on Facebook as well, Disney on a Dollar, Magic on a Dollar. If, if you type in Magic or Disney on a Dollar, you're going to find me all over the place. So I'm all over the place there. Go to MagicOnADollar.com if you're hearing the show for the first time and you're like, hey, I kind of like this show, or maybe you're coming back to it after after missing a few weeks and you're wondering what you missed. Go to MagicOnADollar.com. Go to the podcast tab at the top of the page there. Click on that, and you'll see all the show notes for all the previous episodes and you'll find the ones you want you'll find the ones you need we talked about just tons of stuff over the weeks and everything um you know it is thursday when i'm recording this and at first when this show first came out we were doing it sunday night and then we changed it to tuesday and it's kind of been fluctuating monday tuesday wednesday thursday somewhere in the week and i'm trying to get a regular show schedule set and i will tell you it's just it's busy it is busy uh, it's a busy time of year. Of course, fall is coming out, and the rumors are crazy right now about fall dining promotions for Disney. By the time you're hearing this, um, you know if you're hearing this after Monday, uh, after the next Monday, you may already know that you know new promotions are out. But that's the rumors; they're dropping pretty soon. And so, you know, it's it life is busy, and I'm going to tell you that I'm going to try to have a show for you once again next Tuesday to get back on a regular Tuesday schedule. But uh, it may or may not happen. So let me give you some encouragement real quick before we even start. When I started this show. Um, you know, this show had been in the works for a long time. This show had been in the works for, I don't know, a year or so. I kept kept thinking about it, kept making plans for it. You know, I'm going to start the show in, in August, and I'm going to start the show in October, and I'm going to start the show in February, we're going to do it. And it just never happened. I kept getting busy and I kept doing other things. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Disney travel planner, and, and Disney travel planners stay busy. And so it's just something that I had to kind of work through, um, kind of come to the point of, do I want to do this or do I not want to do this? And the answer was, I did want to do this. I wanted to do a Disney podcast. I've been wanting to do one for a while. And so, you know, my, my arguments were I didn't really know how to edit, and I didn't really know how to do this, I didn't really know how to do that, and I didn't have a logo, and I didn't have a theme song, and, and all that kind of stuff. And if you listen to the first episode or so, um, you know, I've been podcasting now for seven years with a, with a co-host. We, uh, I have a, a movie podcast uh, called the DeuceCast Movie Show. Which comes out every Wednesday morning, like clockwork. Um, you know, I've been doing that now. We're actually on episode three twenty three, three twenty four, something like that. We've been doing this a long, long time. But podcasting on my own, carrying a show by myself, it's it's a lot harder than it think than you think. It's a lot harder than you would imagine. So it's uh, something that I really, um, you know, I was like, can I do it? I don't know. We'll just see. In the first couple episodes, I listened back to them, and they're not very good. Uh, to me, they're not all that great. And you know. I think any podcaster you talk to, if you talk to any podcaster on any show and you say, hey, 
especially if this show has been going for at least several months, maybe if, if they were into 20, 30, 40 episodes or in 100 episodes or whatever, and if you say, hey, how do you think if your first episode went? They're probably going to tell you, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It's just, it's, you know, because it's a learning process. It really, really is. So my encouragement to you is this. If there's something you want to do, if there's something you're just passionate about, be it a podcast or writing a book or changing careers or something, you know, you're never going to get ready. You just got to do it. You got to jump in at some point. Now, that doesn't mean you just, you blindly just walk into it with, a, with nothing. I mean, I had a microphone ready to go and I had some notes and I had some ideas and kind of a framework of how I wanted to do the show. But if I had waited until I was ready, ready, and I'm doing air quotes now, ready, 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 it never would have happened. It just never would have happened. I'd still be pushing it off going, yeah, I'll get to it when I learn this and learn that and the other. And I mean, I've had to teach myself how to edit. I had a great producer on the show, uh, Clay Shaver, former host of the Remodeling Clay podcast. That that show actually just ended its four-year run. Um, it was actually, he retired from podcasting, at least temporarily. And go back and listen to the, all the shows. All the old shows are on iTunes and, and uh, Spotify and Google Play and all the good stuff, the Remodeling Clay podcast. But many, many thanks to my good friend Clay Shaver. Um, basically, he kind of got to the point where, uh, and this is not to be mean about Clay at all, but it was kind of like, you know, He's kind of like, you know, I'm going to push you out of the nest a little bit. You, you, you're going to have to pick some more stuff up. And I picked some stuff up to the point where I'm like, okay, we can we can do this. And, uh, you know, I hated relying on him every week. I would send him the show, and he'd touch it up and put a little, put a little stank on it and send it back to me. And, and it got to the point where I was I had to take this on my own because I couldn't rely on him forever. And, you know, he's, he's doing some other stuff now. So many, many thanks to Clay Shaver. And uh, congratulations on four great years of podcasting. And we hope you come back soon. Um, we hope it comes back. So let's go back to some Disney stuff. Uh, after the encouragement of you know the encouragement finally is do it just do what you want to do the passion the hobby the hustle if you're going to do it just do it don't worry about getting ready get prepared to a point and everything but don't wor- don't wait until it's perfect don't wait until it's perfect because if you do you'll never do it so let's get to some disney stuff ha- uh, here first of all how about some disney news right off the top here Got a lot of good stuff going on here. First of all, uh, let's talk about the Disney Parks app. Now, my Disney experience is an app you can put on your phone, and this is something that I recommend everybody do if you go to Disney World. Disneyland has a version of this, like a Disneyland app, but uh, you put this Disney Disney my Disney experience app on your phone, and it lets you do fast passes. It lets you do you know dining and things like that. You can kind of manage your trip. You can if you have if you have the dining plan, you can kind of see what you what you have on there. You can make purchases and stuff on your on your Disney Park app as well. And they're actually coming out with something now called a new called the Play Disney Parks app coming this summer. Um, Disney's going to be launching a whole new app that will allow guests to unlock exclusive experiences at Walt Disney World and Disneyland through activities that interact with the surrounding environments. Apparently, you know, you go to somewhere like the Q and Haunted Mansion or Big Thunder and you use this app, there'll be things that'll happen around you, kind of an interactive thing. Now, we're not really sure exactly what the gameplay is going to be. It's This is not a replacement for the My Disney Experience app, which is good. That's When this first came out, everybody was a little confused by this, thinking, oh, this is going to be something that's uh, going to replace the, the My Disney Experience. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's going to turn wait time into play time for families and friends at certain locations. And the more guests explore Disney parks, the more there will be to discover in the app. Uh, you know, fast pass reservations are getting harder and harder to come by for Toy Story Mania, Flight of Passage, things like that. So Disney is looking for ways to put uh, make make guests happy to put more stuff into the into the system so guests will be happier and have something to do while on standby lines. And I'll tell you this, what I think Disney should do and Bob Iger, if you're listening, if you're listening, which I know you are, um, you should start putting posts around the uh, around wait times and stuff that have like little um, charging stations maybe. Um, well, now that I think about it, I don't know if that'll work. Let me just take that out. Three, two, 
one. Okay, so we're going to take out the part about the charging part posts. All right. Three, two, one. So that'll be something fun. It's going to come out this summer, and we'll see what it looks like as we draw closer to that time period. Uh, the PhotoPass system, the Memory Maker system, is coming uh, is uh, going to have some changes. Now, the PhotoPass, of course, is when you get a picture taken by a Disney photographer. A lot of times, they'll hand you a little card, and at the end of the day, you take that card or, or you load that card into your My Disney Experience app, and you can see your picture you took. Like, you know, let's say he took your family picture in front of the Tree of Life, or um, you know, he took a magic shot while you're on Main Street, or something like that. Um, so you get the you have the option to buy that now. A lot of people will do the Memory Maker, which is a like a program or a a, a, a um, what's the word for it a a software a system that you get for your entire vacation. You pay one price for it, uh, depending on, before your vacation. You pay for it, you buy it, you download it onto your app, and every picture you take in the parks, be it by Disney photographers, ride photos, ride videos, character pictures, all of that goes into this app. You get all those pictures for free. You can download them, you can upload them to, to Facebook and social media, and all that's yours. But the problem is people were going for one and two and three days, and they're like, I don't want to pay 160 bucks, $170, $190 or whatever for 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 an app, for a program that I'm only going to use like two days. That's that's insane. I'm not going to take that many pictures. Now, our family, when we go, we always get Memory Maker because we go for several days at a time. And, you know, I think we went in 2015, we went for six days, and we ended up with 664 pictures or something like that. I mean, we took a lot of pictures. Uh, We had a lot of pictures taken. Uh, But they're actually introducing now a Memory Maker one-day product. Uh, It can be purchased for $69 from the My Disney Experience app, um, which makes it a better value than the $199 Memory Maker package, uh, which is the whole thing. Now, if you're staying for more four or five, six days, whatever, Memory Maker for the whole thing for $200 is pricey, but I think it's kind of worth it. You actually buy it in advance. You can get it for $169. But if you're going for a day or two, you can now get it for $69 per day, which is pretty cool. Um, you got 45 days to download all your photos, and uh, you know, otherwise you get your you get the watermark back on there. But um, yeah, $69 for one day. It's, I mean, if your pictures are important to you, if you're there for one or two days, it's not a bad deal. So let's look now at a rumor that is exciting to me. I love this idea, and I'm hoping this is real. New monorail fleet ordered for the Walt Disney World Company. Uh, internal resources are reporting that Disney has ordered a new fleet of monorails for Disney World to replace the aging and problematic Mark Four, Mark Six monorails that have been used in the resorts since 1989. This is from World, WDW News Today. These monorails have been in service since 1989. That's almost 30 years these trains have been running, and we're talking tens of thousands and thousands of miles every uh, month. Uh, you know, tens of thousands of miles every year. I don't know, lots and lots and lots of miles. Um, They've had some accidents, of course, with the monorails. So, like, several years ago, somebody died uh, at the front of the monorail. It was, a, it was a worker because the monorail failed, basically. And then, of course, in January, a door opened in one of the monorails as it was traveling down the track. And a video, of course, you can't, anytime anything happens like this, understand people are going to have phones. There's video out there now. A passenger showed one of the doors just wide open while passengers are going to Epcot. And so they added signs to all the monorails that says, you know, hey, don't lean on the doors, which, which makes sense anyway. But this new fleet is coming in. It's built by a company called Bombardier of Canada. It's the same company that built the current monorails. Uh, one of the only few companies in the world that actually can build these monorails. Now, the monorail fleet uh, costs like $3.5 million per train. It's going to be around $7.5 million per train in today's dollars, and it's worth it. It is totally, totally worth it. 
Now, over in Magic Kingdom, they were going to build a theater over in the corner. As you're walking to the Magic Kingdom, into the courtyards, or the town hall, and you see the city hall, you see the fire station. Over on the right side in the corner, there's a little shop there that does uh, like embroidery on hats and things. And, of course, there's also Tony's Town Square. There's a, there's a space in the middle where you walk through, and it walks you into a cast member area. Well, apparently there was going to be a Disney World theater there. They were going to put a Magic Kingdom theater that was going to hold shows. It was going to do different you know, different things in this you know Main Street theater. It was going to be really, really cool. Well, they scrapped that. And so that's something that, uh, that, that leads to this whole idea of making maybe the monorails are actually coming because they scrapped the idea of the theater. They're going to save, you know, $100 million off, off of that right there. Um, also, sometime last year, I believe, the rumor got out that uh, I believe it was Siemens Corporation, um, a technological corporation. They were offering to purchase and to pay for monorails for Disney. They would pay for the monorails as long as they get their name on it somewhere, but they were going to pay for the, all the monorails for Disney to be replaced. Disney said no. Um, of course, everybody was in an uproar. Why not? We need more monorails. Well, apparently, you know, my guess is that because they say no to that, they were thinking of this. They were thinking of this is what we want to do here. We're going to work with Bombardier of Canada to build these monorails, which is a great idea because if you've ever been on the monorail, I love the monorails. I think the monorail is an attraction in itself. I think the fact that you can um, get on the monorail and just kind of loop around, you can actually, in the afternoons, we talked about this last week, myself and the, the Disney uh, Divas Dish Diz, Jennifer's Novotny, Jennifer Novotny talked about you know, taking the monorail just for an afternoon, for for an hour or so, just doing the loop or whatever. They're they're comfortable. They're great. They're a little dirty, and they're a little old. And so it's time to replace them. So uh, I'm hoping this is something that does happen. It's a, it's a rumor now. Don't don't get me. Don't don't quote me on this. Don't say yes, it's coming. We don't know for sure, but it is a very strong rumor. A rumor enough to hit all the boards. Um, which sometimes it's not the best rumors in the world, but it is a rumor nonetheless. And so let's hope this is one rumor that comes out to be true. All right, big news here. For the Disney Fox uh, Fox merger, and for the people who aren't into business and don't care, this is something that I hope you I don't gloss your eyes over as I talk about this. But this is kind of a big deal. I've been kind of following this very closely because you know it's this is important to me personally. Um, it, the backstory is that Fox 20th Century Fox is put up for sale. They are actually been working with Disney to possibly sell a lot of their assets over to Disney. That Disney would end up picking up properties like Men in Black, the Fantastic Four, the X Men. Um, you know, uh, I'm the old movies are coming to mind like Cocoon and Aliens and things like that. But those are all things, The Simpsons, and those are all things that would come to to Disney. Now, Disney would not own Fox News Channel. They would not own the Fox Network. They would not own any kind of Fox News networks or anything like that. No, no Fox Business or anything. And I believe initially Fox Sports was involved in the deal. I'm not sure that it still is. Uh, they do get a couple of cable channels. I think the Sci-Fi Channel, if I'm not mistaken, and FX and a few other channels. Um, and also there's a there's a European company called Sky, which also had – Fox owns a 39% stake of that, so Disney would own that. Well, recently it's been in the news that Comcast, which owns Universal, was stepping in to make their own bid. And apparently, uh, reading from uh, CNBC.com, they were bidding about 16% more than Disney was willing to bid. So they were bidding probably about – I don't know, ten, twelve million dollars more than Disney was. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not million, billion with a B, billion with a B. So Disney was bill, was bidding, you know, fifty two point four billion dollars. It looks like, uh, you know, Comcast was going to take it up to sixty, sixty five billion dollars or whatever. It looks like the Fox is still going to go with Disney, mostly because they're worried about concerns with regulatory risks and stock value with Comcast. That does not mean that Comcast is doing anything wrong. That doesn't mean that Comcast is shady. Doesn't mean that anything is happening, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, below the belt with with Comcast. I don't want to, to come across that I'm saying Comcast is doing bad things. We don't know, 
But because of future future projections for stock value, things like that, I think Fox is a little concerned with what Comcast might do. So they're going to go with Disney, which they feel is a much more stable investment. And it looks like this is going to carry on probably through next year, kind of how they're, it's all going to work out. But in the end, again, we've talked about it. Hopefully Disney is going to own uh, the Fantastic Four and the X-Men, which to me are the biggest properties because I want Fantastic Four back in a, a Marvel movie. I want Fantastic Four in the parks. And this would be something where I believe, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Disney can actually use them in the parks. I, I, I don't, well, I don't know because Universal owns uh, owns the X-Men in their parks and just, it's all crazy. It's all just wacky. Um, but leading to this, this is a deal that actually has implications that have come across across everything. Uh, Bob Iger opened up recently and said they, the, the announcement of the Disney Fox acquisition has put in put on hold his plans for a possible presidential run in 2020. Now, he's not going to run in 2020 because of this Fox deal. He actually extended his contract to 2021. Bob Iger said that, you know, he he wanted to, to run. He was looking at it. He had an exploratory committee out there talking about it. Well, now he's not going to because he'll still be with Disney. That's not to say that he can't run in 2024, but uh, he has, you know, got his contract extended now. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. So let's look over now at some quick Universal stuff. Of course, the Fast and the Furious ride is in soft openings right now. It opens for real on May 2nd um, over at Universal Orlando. The Fast and Furious Supercharged. Uh, it's what di- Right now, it's what Universal calls a technical rehearsal, meaning the ride could open or close at any time. It's called a soft opening, basically. And, and for those of you who don't really understand the, the, that term, what that means basically is that when, when they want to test the ride, and I don't mean the first stage of testing. I mean, you know, the ride's built, the ride's done, the ride's finished, but they're kind of running it, you know, constantly to kind of see how it works. They're kind of checking out little quirks and stuff. Nothing dangerous. They wouldn't put people on it if it was dangerous, but they want to just kind of get it going. And what they'll do is they'll open it up and uh, people can ride it, whoever's there, and then they close it up with, with no with no warning. Uh, Disney does this all the time when they opened up. Um, and what my experience with that was they opened up Star Tours in Disneyland in 2011 when they had redone Star Tours. They were doing the thing where they were putting the new scene in and such, um, and they were doing soft opening. I got a note on Twitter uh, from a from a from a site that I follow, and it was like Disneyland now doing soft opening right now. So I ran over to Star Tours and I got in real quick and uh, was able to ride it. And as I was coming off the ride, they had already closed the line, so you know they wouldn't let anybody else on. And I heard word they opened it up a little bit later on for like an hour. So that's kind of what the soft opening is. Fast and Furious Supercharged have been doing soft opening or technical rehearsals, as they say. Um, so they're uh, so they're doing that. Um, on the Fast and Furious Supercharged attraction, visitors will walk through a collection of street racing cars, and Taj, who is one of the characters in Fast and Furious, Taj's war room will be there, and you'll see all kind of the, the cars in Taj's war room. You get the board party buses that get diverted into a simulated high-speed chase through the city as Don Toretto's family battles villain Owen Shaw and his henchmen. Dom Toretto, of course, is the Vin Diesel character. Owen Shaw, I believe, is the Luke Evans character. And funny enough, there are actually um, there are extra Easter eggs throughout the queue. There's one scene, or one picture I've seen, where there's a trophy case of all the... Uh, uh, of all the the pink slips that Dom has won in his races, and one of the one little pink slips, one of the little little slips there says Arthur Weasley on it. Another one says Doc Brown on it. So it's it's kind of fun. Uh, so there's all kinds of little things in there. So uh, May second is the official opening. Um, right now, I think uh, I think it's a 3D ride. I could be wrong. Uh, early reviews are kind of mixed. Um, people are saying they like the ride. Okay, but it's nothing special. And I don't know. We'll see. I'll get down there at some point and ride the ride. I love the Fast and Furious movies, mostly because I love The Rock, and that's really the only reason I like Fast and Furious movies, um, because I love The Rock. So basically, I pick up on part four and go from there. They're all kind of the same. They're all kind of silly and goofy and funny. Um, I think they're not... 
meant to be as funny as they actually come across. But it would be kind of fun to see the Fast and Furious uh, supercharged attraction, if only to hear Vin Diesel talk like this the whole time. He doesn't really raise his voice when he does He does Dom Toretto. He talks in a monotone voice the whole time, just like this. And they also like to drink all of their Coronas and all their beers by the by holding the neck of the bottle, just so you know. Something to watch for. It's uh, I, did, I don't really drink beer, but apparently that's if you're Dom Toretto, that's how you have to drink it. You have to hold it by the neck of the bottle. Moving on. Uh, finally, Universal Orlando... Uh, has two new hotels coming up. It's where Wet n' Wild used to be. Wet n' Wild is the, the water park that was there, and they've actually taken it down. They've been building two hotels, one opening next year, 2019, one opening the following year in 2020. One's called Surfside Inns and Suites, and the other is called Dockside Inns and Suites. They're going to call. They're going to be basically put together as a complex known as Universal's Endless Summer Resort. Surfside will feature 750 rooms. Uh, Dockside will feature 2,050 2, rooms. And so they're going to be opening up... Basically, they're going to be like value hotels from what I understand. I mean, they're going to be kind of... Uh, uh, cheaper rooms. I mean, they'll be looking at like low as $73 per night, uh, part of the company's new value hotel category. And Cabana Bay is somewhat of a value resort, but it's not quite a value resort. It's mostly like Art of Animation is on Disney property. It's made for f- bigger families because they have a lot of family suites. They have standard rooms too, but they have a lot of family suites there. Um, but the suites over in Dockside and Surfside are going to be g- going, going to start as low as $111 per night. Now, that is somewhat of a misnomer. I don't know this for sure, but my guess is that um, uh, my guess is that the hundred eleven dollars per night is probably going to only be certain times of the year. Obviously, it's going to be certain times of the year. Probably very few times of the year value season, like for a week in January, maybe a week in September, or something like that. So those rates are going to be very very low, and you're not probably not going to get a lot of that rate. Um, but still, starting at one eleven per night means the busy season is probably going to push it up to two hundred a night for a family suite. That's extremely extremely good. Disney's Art of Animation is a lot higher than two hundred dollars per night, even on a discounted rate. So that's a great thing. the The con on this, however is that Wet n' Wild sat away from the parks, um, probably a good, I don't know, mile down the road. So you can't just walk out of uh, your, you know, like you can with Cabana Bay. It is come with some, somewhat of a few-minute walk, but Cabana Bay, Portofino, whatever, take a little water taxi or just walk around to the parks. It's right there. You can't really do this with, with these two. You're going to have to take a bus. You're going to have to take a shuttle of some sort, and I'm sure they're going to work on transportation and things like that. And, uh, but Universal has that, you know, has that being built. Um, that's going to put the room count at Universal's resorts to 9,000. Uh, so, with Universal Studios, Islands of Adventure, Volcano Bay, Universal City Walk, they've got these two resorts. They've got Eventura, which is a resort opening up this summer. I believe it's going to be of a moderate kind of category. And, of course, you've got the Deluxes. You know, you've got the Portofino Bay, Royal Pacific, and Hard Rock. So, they've got the hotels. They're really getting into the hotel game. Why are they getting into the hotel game? Well, let me get to my last piece of Universal news. Uh, they have now cleared a major hurdle when it comes to the land they purchased about building on that land. Let me explain. Uh, a couple of years ago, they purchased like 450 acres of, or 550 acres, something like that, of land, um, kind of a parcel of land. And of course, they cleared out Wet n' Wild to build these two hotels, so they had that land as well. Uh, well, maybe a year or so ago, they purchased another 100 acres of land to have there, so they've got close to 550, 600 acres of land to work with. By comparison, by comparison, the Magic Kingdom is 100 acres ish. Uh, Animal Kingdom is about 500 acres big, and you got to think that. A lot of that is the safari. If you've ever been to Animal Kingdom, been on the safari, you understand the safari is a massive ride. It's a massive attraction because you have to you get the bus, you get the shuttle, whatever, and you go all through the ride, all through the attraction, all through the, the lands and the savannah and see all the animals and stuff. So it is a major ride. The Magic Kingdom can fit in to the um, 
into that attraction. I believe last I heard that attraction had something like 350 people working in that attraction daily. And so it's that much, that big of a deal. So, you know, you're talking a, a parcel of land a little bit bigger than Animal Kingdom to work with. Now, you know, that still leaves, um, you could put two parks there, uh, maybe about a 50% bigger than Magic Kingdom and still have 200 acres or so to work with for parking and things like that. So that's the thing. We're looking like Universal is definitely going to build another theme park. They may may build a fourth theme park. And what was holding it up was they were actually having a, a, a contract dispute, a land dispute with an attorney. The, the details aren't out there. I don't really know the details of the whole thing, exactly what happened. But there was a there was something with a, uh, with a businessman who was suing Universal, arguing that he owns the rights to enforce private deed restrictions there. Basically, he one guy they were working with, but he had, sort of had a deed dispute on the land, and he was saying, you can't build theme parks on this land. And so they couldn't. They couldn't They couldn't work around that. Well, it's been cleared. This past week, this past week, as a matter of fact, they have figured that out. They worked through it. Whatever it is they did, they did. Now they're free and clear. So now they have 550 acres to work with to do whatever they want to with. Now, they're going to build another theme park. They haven't officially announced that, but I guarantee they're going to build another theme park, and they possibly will build another theme park. And you got to think about it. If Comcast is willing to put $60 billion into purchasing the Fox stuff and they were turned down, that means they actually have access to $60 billion to work with, which they're not going to use all of that, but they could probably put $20 billion into a theme park. Nintendo Land is coming. We know that's coming. It's already been announced. We thought it was going to be a land at one of the existing parks, Islands of Adventure or Universal, but it looks like it's actually going to be a part of a new land. Um, they've been talking about building Ministry of Magic for the Harry Potter area. So that's going to be a big deal as well. So that'll be there. Um, you know, and so, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what happens to Universal. Star Wars is going to be the killer. That's going to be the big one that's going to, my guess is Disney will never look back. The Universal will never catch Disney once Star Wars gets going. Um, because Disney has, and I've mentioned this before, Disney still has, you know, they can basically double the size of what they have built and still be okay. They've only used about 35% of the property they own. Conservation, they have said they're going to put 35% of it aside, which means they still have another, do the math, 25 to 30% to use of land to do whatever they want to do. They could build another park or two if they wanted to. Uh, we'll see if they do it. It's really expensive. We don't know, but we'll see if, what happens there. But, um, uh, you know, Universal's problem is they're going to run out of land. They have they keep buying land up here and there, but at some point they're not going to be able to buy any more land. They're going to be able to have they're going to have to work with what they've got. Uh, what I love about Universal, however, is they're very they're very quick to catch trends. Uh, right now, the Transformers ride is in there. The Simpsons ride, the Simpsons World Land, or whatever the Men in Black area, things like that. Their turnaround. They don't have to worry about building whole new areas. They can just turn around a ride and build a new area and be done with it you know, in the span of a year, year and a half. They did that with Transformers. I think they built an entire attraction ride, had little Transformers little setup there done in a year or so. Uh, the Simpsons area came up in about a year or so, and it's like a little land where they can close that area down, put something else brand new in there. Whatever is you know whatever is exciting, they put it in there. If if a quiet place goes on to make I don't know uh, three hundred billion dollars, and they decide they want to have a quiet place, haunted place or something, they could put that in there pretty fast. And so that's the good thing about Universal; they have a much quicker turnaround time than Disney does. Uh, although Disney is opening its game, which is good. So there you go. That's all your Disney news. Most of the show has actually been Disney news. Let's get to Animal Kingdom real quick, though. I want to talk about Animal Kingdom for a second because Animal Kingdom is celebrating its 20th birthday this year. $800 million put into Animal Kingdom when it was built. Opened up on April 22nd, 1998. Opened up in Florida with five attractions, nine exhibits, 12 live entertainment shows, 11 places to buy stuff, 
and eight food locations. Uh, so many people in line on opening day that officials opened the gates at 6 instead of 7 a.m. The first guests through the gate are a family, uh, Brenda Herr of St. Petersburg, and her husband, Damon Shepron, and their son, Devin, who slept in their car the night before to get in line. The family received a lifetime pass to Walt Disney World Parks worldwide. I don't even know if that exists anymore. But there you go. 75 minutes after opening, the park reached its capacity, and the gates were closed until early afternoon. Uh, peak crowds at over 35,000 guests at that time. I think that's a lot higher now, actually. Animal Kingdom is a big place. It's a big, big place. Now, I don't know if it can hold as much. I don't think it can hold as much as Epcot because, again, a third of that park is, you know, is the, the safari ride, the Kilimanjaro safaris. But still, it's a pretty big place. Um, the Oasis is the first area that gets experience when they enter the park. Uh, they had Safari Village, which was a colorful land celebrating animals and departures to all other lands of adventure. Uh, included the Tree of Life, the Tree of Life Garden, It's Tough to Be a Bug, and Discovery River Boats, which there were boats on that water. Used to get ride boats around that water. Camp Minnie Mickey was an old-fashioned summer camp featuring... Um, uh, the Festival of the Lion King and the Colors of the Wind, Friends from the Animal Forest at Grandmother Willow's Grove. So that was there. Dinoland USA had uh, it was a fossil park featuring Countdown to Extinction, which later became Dinosaur. Also, the Boneyard Play Yard, the Crustaceous Trail, uh, the 1998 Dinosaur Jubilee, the Journey into Jungle Book Theater, or theater show in, um, in the theater, and the Fossil Preparation Lab. And the Journey into Jungle Book eventually became, I believe, Tarzan Rocks, if I'm not mistaken. And then Tarzan became the Finding Nemo show that we have there now. They had an Africa area, a contemporary port of East Africa, which had the Kilimanjaro Safaris, the Gorilla Falls Exploration Trail, and Wildlife Express to Conservation Station, which is now known as Rafiki's Planet Watch. Asia, not totally completed by opening day, the area featured Discovery Riverboats at, uh, at a landing um, and Flights of Wonder at Caravan Stage. So some crazy things happening there. Some really fun stuff happening um, there at Animal Kingdom. And... Uh, a little struggle there as, as, as to begin with because it was one of those, you know, a few animals died when they kind of get the whole thing together. They're going to call it Wild Kingdom, but they actually could not secure rights from the Mutual of Omaha Insurance Company, which if you're my age, you might remember the Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. And um, from – do you remember the theme song when you were a kid? Um, Mutual of Omaha is people. You can count up when the going's rough. Do you remember that? That sticks in my head. That's how I remember Mutual of Omaha. And they had the Indian with a headdress. That was their logo. Well, they couldn't secure the rights from Mutual of Omaha for Wild Kingdom, so they became Animal Kingdom. Now, initially, of course, where Camp Mini Mickey, well, it's where Pandora is now. Camp Minnie Mickey was there before, and really it was the Lion King show, and it was some meet and greets, and Pocahontas was there, and that kind of thing. Well, before that, it was going to be called Beastly Kingdom. So Beastly Kingdom was going to be there, and if you look at uh, some of the some of the older Animal Kingdom logos, and I think I don't know if it's still there, but I know before you could walk up to Animal Kingdom and you could see on some of the benches and stuff they would have a little logo. You'd see like a giraffe and an elephant and whatever and a dinosaur, and you'd see a dragon somewhere in there, like with the wings and the fire stuff like that. That was the Beastly Kingdom. They were going to build the Beastly Kingdom, and they realized it was just too expensive because they had they had almost hit one billion dollars on this, and they were overrun. Um, it was just too much money they were spending, so they cut Beastly Kingdom. Uh, they were going to have a, like several rides feature uh, with mythical creatures. Little history here for you. The Imagineers who were laid off when the plans were scrapped. They, they hired Imagineers just for this purpose. Once they scrapped it, they didn't have any use for them, so they, they laid them off. Those guys went to Universal. They were hired by Universal, and they were built. They built the Dragon Challenge coaster for Islands of Adventure because over where the Harry Potter is area is now in Islands of Adventure, the Hogsmeade area, they used to be called the Lost Continent, and uh, they had the the Dueling Dragons. Um, uh, sorry, the Dragon Challenge. Uh, uh, roller coaster. Uh, so, Animal Kingdom has 500 acres. They're home to some of 
1,700 animals representing 250 species throughout the park. Go on the Kilimanjaro Safari. You'll be able to see, see a lot of these animals, which is really pretty cool. Um, three, two, one. Of course, the Tree of Life is the icon that sits right there in the middle of the park. At 145 feet, it's a 14-story artificial tree with images of more than 300 hand-carved animals into the trunk of the tree. And as you see them, as you walk up, as you're walking by the tree, you'll see them. As you walk through the tree, you'll walk around and under it because that's the, the Bugs Life attraction. It's tough to be a bug show in there. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of the 3D stuff over at Universal, but 3D at Disney, when it works, it works, and it really works at Tough to Be a Bug. It's a, it's a, such a fun show. It's a great, great show. Of course, they've got the Maharaja Jungle Trek. You can walk through walk through all and see all the animals and everything like that. The Cali River Rapids came a little bit later on, um, which is the, the water ride. Uh, and you'll, you'll know where that attraction is because you'll see people coming off of it completely soaked and wet because it's kind of stuck down in the middle. I think 2006 is when they put in Expedition Everest. Uh, now, that was the kind of the, the icon attraction for the park for a little while. That was the first big roller coaster there. Um, basically, it's a roller coaster of the Big Thunder variety. It's a family-friendly. It's not. It doesn't go inversely and things like that. I loved uh, Expedition Everest. First time I rode it, I think it was 2007. Got on the ride, had no idea it goes backwards. And I'm saying that now, not to really spoil it for anybody, because I think it's pretty common knowledge now. But I, we got up there, and you ride through. And it's kind of slow. You go up the hill and everything. You go through like a little, um, quote-unquote, snow-covered mountains. You kind of go through there. And the track in front of you doesn't, it's kind of messed up. And you see it, the track's all mangled and marl, all, all gnarled and everything. And you think that, well, maybe the coaster is going to drop. Maybe, you know, suddenly you're going to go down or whatever. And it doesn't, it goes backwards. Had no clue. And it was a, such a surprise. One of my favorite delights of my life is finding out the, the Exhibition Everest attraction went backwards while I was on the attraction itself. It's a great thing. Um, and there's a big Yeti in there as well. It's a huge, massive, uh, several stories tall, um, uh, like, a, I guess, the audio animatronic abominable snowman, basically. And the gist was, as you're coming through the attraction, the, the Yeti would lean forward and swipe at the car. And it's a big Yeti. It's a big thing. It hasn't worked in years. It really hasn't. And I came to find out, I did a, uh, uh, we did a, a dining with an Imagineer dinner sometime in 2009, maybe it was 2007, I don't know, 9, 10, I don't know where it was, but we had, we had dining with an Imagineer, we sat down with an Imagineer and had lunch with him over at Hollywood Studios, and it's actually something you can do as part of the dining plan. You actually can have lunch with an Imagineer. And our Imagineer was great. He just was like, ask me questions. And so we did. And so one of the questions was about the Yeti. Why doesn't the Yeti work? Why can't we fix it? And quite simply, the guy said, well, you know, in order to fix the Yeti, we would have to close Everest and probably move half, take apart half the mountain to get to the Yeti to fix him properly. And it's just too expensive. Um, apparently, they put too much into this audio animatronic. They just put too much too much stuff into it. And it's massively heavy. It's massively complicated. And you'd think when you see it that having something lean forward and just swipe at you is not a big deal. But the way it's structured, apparently, it's a very, very big deal to fix it. So that's why it doesn't work. And that's probably why it likely will never work. Just so you know. Um Animal Kingdom is a great park. It's celebrating 20 years, so congratulations to Animal Kingdom. Joe Rohde, I believe, was the imaginator behind that. And you'll know him because he's got the big earring and this huge, massive amount of like shark teeth and, and all kinds of other little fun, weird trinket things hanging from his ear. Um, apparently, whenever he goes on some sort of ex- exhibition or 
adventure or something, he grabs, he gets a trinket and he puts it on his, he puts it on his earring and, you know, whatever. Joe Reddy's a cool guy. I've never met him, but I've seen him in many, many interviews. I know people who have met him and they think he's awesome. Animal Kingdom is a massive park and it's hot as blazes. It's basically hell, uh, the hellfire on earth when you walk through Animal Kingdom in the summertime because it's just, it's very, it's very shaded because a lot of trees there, a lot of foliage there, but that's, it keeps the humidity in as well. Um, it is massively hot. So just, well, I take that back. There's not a ton of shade there. You'd think there would be with all the foliage and trees, but just understand it's hot there. So when you go there, be prepared. Um, you know, I don't know that I go there during the summer season very much just because it, it is so hot. Of course, they did open, you know, Pandora last year, which has been a massive success. Flight of Passage has opened up, which has been awesome. Uh, I love Flight of Passage. I've ridden it three or four times now. I want to ride it like 20 times. I, I think it's a major ride. And I, I tell everybody, even if you don't like those kind of rides, even if you don't like Pandora or Avatar, go do it. Go ride it. You're going to love it. You're going to absolutely love it. Flame Fury Barbecue is also there. It's my favorite quick service at Animal Kingdom. And one of my favorite quick services in all of Magic Kingdom, Magic Kingdom, all of Disney world uh because the food is good it's it's considering disney prices it's not that expensive it's a great great thing a uh, great meal so i would definitely suggest that they've got the tusker house restaurant there which is a character meal it's my wife's favorite meal uh favorite character meal and you meet mickey and goofy and daisy and i believe minnie um, you know, and it's a good buffet. It's a great mixture of African foods and American foods. I'm not too adventurous when it comes to foods. I don't really want to try stuff that I don't know what it is. So, uh, go there for breakfast. Um, now if you go, little tip for you here, a lot of these character breakfasts, if you know they have breakfast and lunch, if you go in sometime in the 10 to 10:30 range, maybe 10:45, you'll get the last of breakfast and the first of lunch. Now, be aware if you want to fuel yourself up, on Mickey waffles. You're not going to have a lot of time to eat Mickey waffles because those will go away fairly soon and they'll be bringing out the pot roast. Um, but if it's something you're like, you know what, I'm going to get a plate or two of breakfast and I'll try some lunch, that 10 to 11 hour is a good time to go because they're taking out the breakfast stuff, they're putting in the lunch stuff, and that's exactly what happened when I went a couple weeks ago in uh, in March. Um, you know, we had Tusker House and I got a great plate of Mickey waffles and the cheese blintzes and some eggs and some sausage and some whatever, whatever, hash brown casserole, whatever. Went back up there. All the lunch stuff was out. So I got some pot roast and I got some crepes and I got some mac and cheese. And so um, good meal. So it's a very, very good meal. It's a lot of fun to do that as well. They have the Rivers of Light, which is there at night now. Rivers of Light is kind of fun. It's it's a show on the water. It's not something, I'll be honest with you, it's not something that I'm like, I got to see this every time. I've seen it once. I don't know when I'll see it again. If It's one of those things that I will see it if it's convenient. But I do suggest if you've never seen it, I do suggest that you go see it. I suggest you see the show because uh, you might like it. Um, Dinosaur Land is also there too. The Boneyard is there. Uh, which is a, it's a, okay, so the Boneyard is a fun playground. It's, it's kind of soft ground, you know, and they've got a lot of things to climb on. And so it's like a sandbox. You can search for fossils, tunnels and slides and things like that. Be aware, and I'm speaking to you, special needs parents, be aware that if your child is prone to run, and this is actually for any child, your child is prone to run or prone to escape or prone to not listen to you, Boneyard is hard because there are a lot of places for that kid to get lost. There's one entrance and one exit but still, if you want to keep an eye on your kid, that kid disappears into the structure. You can't find him. And so just be aware that uh, that's that's my wife and I will never do that again. Well, I say never. We'll ne- we won't do that again for a while because it was it was really hard keeping up with our kid <laughs> because he was in the boneyard. He was loving it. But I was, you know, I was on the second story looking down on the first story. It's all outside. Second story looking down on the first story yelling at her, do you see him? And she was like, no, I think he was over there. So I'd run over there. Oh, he's over here. So we'd run back over here. It was, it was tough. So just be aware of that. Uh, of course, the... Primeval World is there. It's a really jerky kind of roller coastery kind of thing. Um, the Trustier Top Spin, which is the Dumbo kind of ride, that's there. The Dino Dinosaur Ride, which 
it was just recently updated. It's a, it's a it's a fun ride. It's got the same exact track, I believe, as the Indiana Jones ride in Disneyland, which I think is themed better, so I like that ride better. Um, it was called Countdown to Into Extinction. Disney came out with this movie called Dinosaur in like 2000 or 2001, one that I've never actually seen, and um, and they changed the name to Dinosaur. Uh, it's got this. It's the ride's fun. A lot of dinosaurs yelling at you. I, I have a few problems with how cheesy some of the, the visuals are because I feel like Disney could do better. But uh, but that's me. And, of course, the Finding Nemo ride is around the corner. The Finding Nemo ride is fantastic. And not Finding Nemo ride. Excuse me. The Finding Nemo, the musical attraction. It's a 40-minute musical telling the story of Finding Nemo. I love the music. I love the story. I've got the, I've got the soundtrack to that. It's one of the only Disney park soundtracks I have, but I love it. So it's something I highly recommend. If, take some time to watch it as well. Everest, um, you know, walking down the path, you'll go down to Kilimanjaro Safaris, which is a lot of fun. If you're going to take pictures at Safari, make sure you sit on an end if you can to get pictures try to ride it both times you can sit on one end and sit on the other to take pictures um which the fun thing about that ride is you know the animals are sometimes it's hit and miss sometimes you don't see hardly any animals sometimes the animals are everywhere a lot of times you'll see giraffes rhinoceros uh you know hippos are kind of the main ones you see last time i went we saw lions we after going on this ride two dozen times i find i've seen lions before but they were always just lounging on the rock they actually have lions out and about um and they actually have a system in the rocks where, of course, they're man-made rocks. The rocks are heated, which is really, really comfortable to the lions. So especially in colder days and stuff. So it encourages the lions to come out um, and kind of lounge in the sun when the rocks themselves are heated. And so, you know, it helps you see the lions. But we saw the lions walking around. We saw one kind of do a little roar, which was really, really cool. Um, and as you pass by the flamingo area, look at the flamingo area that the actual the land they're on. That's a hidden Mickey for you there. So do that. There's all that there. And, of course, the Festival of the Lion King show is in that area now, uh, which is a lot of fun. I love the It's a 30-minute show for the Festival of the Lion King. Very musical. And the Pandora ride we've talked about before. The Tough to be a Bug. That's the uh, the, the Flick-hosted attraction for, based on A Bug's Life, which is a 3D ride. It's attraction. It's really, really fun. It's a show, uh, which is great. You can meet Doug and Russell from Up. They're there as well. You could take a trade up to... Rafiki's Planet Watch. They have a petting zoo up there. Um, a lot of, you know, Jiminy Cricket's up there. Pocahontas is up there a lot of times. Um, you know, you actually can see vets at work. They actually have windows there where you can look in to see veterinarians actually doing work with with the animals. And, which is really, really cool because I've seen, actually saw a tiger in there once where they had the tiger kind of laid out and they were doing shots and things like that. Nothing evasive. They weren't doing like open heart surgery on the animals or anything, which is good. But, um, so that's, you know, that's a lot of fun there. And it's a fun little train ride too. You just, basically take the train up take the train back uh which is great and um pretty much that's it i mean i i think it's great now one of the questions a lot of people have and i've been asked this before is how do they control all the animals how do they get the animals back inside once they're done well at the end of the day uh the end of the day they will actually um they actually have sounds for the animals every animal has its own distinct noise like i think the zebras or maybe one of the gazelles or whatever have a cowbell. Once they hear this cowbell ring, they know to come in. Once the giraffes hear a horn or something, they know to come in. And, like, different sounds for different animals. They've been trained that once they hear these sounds, these animals all come in. They, they all come in around 5-ish, 6-ish at night, maybe a little after. They've actually started opening up the park a little bit later, so some of the animals are out a little bit later. Uh, but they didn't do a nighttime thing for a long time. Like, nighttime attractions weren't even there, or nighttime at the park wasn't there for a long time. And they don't do fireworks because they don't want to disturb the animals. But now they've kind of opened it up for nighttime stuff, Pandora at night and things. Because they, for a long time, Animal Kingdom was kind of a half-day park. You knocked out Animal Kingdom and half-day a little over it. But now it is a full-day park. You can do you know, all kinds of stuff in that. Um, you know, Animal Kingdom is kind of a, 
it's kind of a, a, a park that I think Walt Disney would have loved. He wanted to use live animals in the Jungle Cruise attraction so bad. Um, he was trying to figure out how to get guests into the true life adventures. That was the you know series of movies he made in the, the 40s and 50s. He would do true life adventures documenting animals in the wild. But you know, you know, back in the day, you couldn't control the animals. With the, technology was not there. You couldn't control the animals like you could now. And, you know, you can't have wandering animals. You can't have, you know, cheetahs wandering into the, you know, the Congo when you're on the Jungle Cruise. Plus, you also can't have, you know, cheetahs jumping into boats and eating people. That would be a terrible ride as well. And finally, just something to kind of throw in there. One thing you'll notice in Animal Kingdom is you don't have lids for most of the drinks in Animal Kingdom. Now, coffee's going to have lids because they don't want people burning themselves and suing the company. But you, you get a drink at Animal Kingdom, you're likely not going to have a lid on your cup. Why? Because lids get caught. Uh, in animals' throats. They don't want to have lids strewn about or littered or tossed over into animal enclosures somehow. Um, and so there's no lids there. Straws are all paper. Everything, all the straws are paper. And you actually, you can physically uh, physically unroll them if you wanted to. You can you break them apart or whatever, but they're all paper. They're not plastic. It was, the paper is biodegradable, which is good. Uh, the animals are kept into enclosures. And they're if you're on the safari and you're wondering why the lion or the cheetah or whatever doesn't just hop over and you know eat your face, um, there actually are... are moats there. They're actually ditches you can't see there, and uh, they're they're controlled, basically. The animals can't jump over these these gaps or these little valleys they build. Um, they also put things like salt licks and certain food things out, so the animals are kind of encouraged to come out as well. So so there you go. There's a little look, little look at Animal Kingdom, a kind of a walkthrough. I love Animal Kingdom. It's one of those... I mean, people ask me, what's your favorite park? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, you know, it depends on what day it is. It's like, what's your favorite child? I love all my children equally, but I like some better than others on different days. Same thing. Some trips I'll go, and I'm like, Animal Kingdom was my favorite favorite time of the whole trip. Other days I'll go, and Magic Kingdom is my favorite time of the whole trip. But uh, I love Animal Kingdom. So there you go. There's your look into Animal Kingdom and the 20th anniversary. You can find us again, magiconadollar.com. But don't forget to visit our sponsor, Amy Campbell of MyResumeLady.com. If you have a resume and just need some help, if you need some help on the, getting that new job, you need, need some help getting that promotion, need some help with your marketing, uh, obviously she can't promise you you're going to get anything because it's all based on you, but she can help you with a resume, help you with marketing, help you with MailChimp. I didn't even know this. That's something I found out earlier, that uh, she can help you with your emails, your mailing list, and things like that. She's all on that. She's forgotten more about LinkedIn than most of us will ever know. She's brilliant. She's beautiful. She's wonderful. She will help you. MyResumeLady.com. Her and her team have been doing this for 10 years, helping hundreds of people with their stuff. So make sure you visit her, MyResumeLady.com, or email her at Amy at MyResumeLady.com. That is our show. Thank you so much once again for joining us. Thank you for listening to me talk about Disney and ramble on about Animal Kingdom for an hour. So glad you're here. We're going to get back to a regular schedule, I promise you. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for downloading the show. Please tell a friend. Please share this show with other people. Say, hey, here's a Disney podcast for you to listen to. Enjoy it. Hopefully next week we'll be talking about some new Disney promotions. We'll see what happens. I probably might be coming on the coming on the air yawning and, and, and half asleep because of uh, working on promotions. But we'll see what happens. The magic will still be alive. And don't forget to thank a Phoenician.